0: Anakin, Ahsoka, welcome to the festival. I've never seen the Festival of Light. Sounds like a big event.
1: They're expecting a large crowd. Which means it will be difficult for Dooku to attack during the ceremony. That leaves the palace as the best opportunity for an ambush.
0: Are you that certain an attack is imminent?
1: I'm afraid so. Which is why I'm making Ahsoka your personal bodyguard.
0: At your service, my lady.
1: If there's trouble, Ahsoka will get you, the Queen, and the rest of your staff to safety. What about you? Hopefully, I'll be where I always am.
0: He means saving the day. Of course he does. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! so step in and prepare for adventure, because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode! Dooku's kidnapping crew nab Chancellor Palpatine during his big speech on Naboo! But Obi-Wan foils Cad Bane and Moralo Eval while Anakin battles Dooku himself, and our heroes finally rescue Palpatine from the dastardly clutches of Dooku!
1: Hey, shoots at your old buddy, Bucho! On my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, next to me in the dropship, on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he is the obi-wan to my anakin it's your trusty pal robbie hello there we are going to talk about the 84th episode in the Star Wars.com clone wars chronology written by brent friedman directed by danny Keller, it's season 4 episode 18 crisis on naboo so robbie how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about crisis on naboo before you rewatched it again this week
2: I really didn't remember a whole lot of like specific details. I just remembered that this was the episode where this arc wraps up. Basically getting Obi-Wan back, I guess, where he's actually able to use force powers and things like that again. But it's basically the culmination of this whole arc. And honestly, that was about it. I didn't remember. <laughs> one of the things that kind of surprised me was like, wow, this plan was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like there was some strangeness here.
1: Well, I found that when it started to get real good was when Obi-Wan told Anakin that it was his idea, that it was Obi-Wan's idea to keep the details of the plan from Anakin. Yep. And in one way, that kind of runs with you know, the problem that I've had with this whole thing so far, that Obi-Wan should know Anakin well enough by now that this was a bad idea. But what I liked about it was just basically seeing Anakin blowing up at Obi-Wan and experiencing resting his growing distrust in the jedi council and i i mean i guess at the end of this four episode arc if there's one thing this arc has been about it's to push anakin away from the council and to show that there's this wedge forming in between him and the jedis
2: yeah i mean it's it is probably the most important thing about this arc is that it shows that yeah anakin's on that road now I mean, if he if he already didn't feel that way, even from back in episode two, you know that this is definitely the route that he's on. But one of the things that I really did like about it, though, is that it kind of reinforces the idea that Dooku's not an idiot. And even though he was, I guess, big on building up Obi's character a little bit, as far as part of the team, he still had his reservations. And I think that was important to show at the very beginning there. I even found it interesting that he starts off by calling them all my friends. Right.
1: Yeah. Always classy. <laughs> I
2: felt that was strange, but in a in a good way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I like that too. And something I also like, Robbie, it's always so fun to see Palpatine in peril and to wonder what he's really thinking, you know, behind that facade. Like when Cad Bane is throwing Palpatine around like a sack of spuds when they get to the rendezvous point. And Cad Bane doesn't know that he's playing with fire. He doesn't know that he is, you know, what he's doing there and who he's doing it to. How does it like that moment, Robbie? Cad Bane just treating Palpatine like he was nothing, basically.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Cad Bane plays his part well. And I just, I don't know. There's so much about Cad Bane that I've always loved. It's so funny that, that one of the things that you had pinpointed about his character was the fact that he kind of loses his cool in holocron heist but it's something that never stuck with me like it did with you you know like for me it was i always felt he was the cool calm collected character and for some reason i i guess it was just selective memory that i didn't remember that so seeing him at the very beginning you know when that one i don't know dock worker or whatever you want to call him (laughs) is running away and he's just standing there and his you know the way he treats him and stuff that's bad bane to me you know
1: sure. it's just funny yeah I mean in general it makes sense to have a ignored or forgotten that the times when Cad Bane is not completely in control because almost all of the time he is completely in control although there was that part in the box where you know if it wasn't for that random block coming out and smashing <laughs> Kira Swan right you know he would have been gone in the box episode so I like that they throw in these little things that as as, as hardcore and as competent as Cad Bane is he also does rely a little bit on luck and you know he's also almost always a guy who is working as part of a team which I like as well like he's not this lone wolf you know and pretty much in every episode we see Cad Bane doing something he's put a team together or he's part of a team
2: yeah but he's I don't know I just I guess it's just a mixture of the way he looks the way he sounds sure the way he carries himself for the most part it's just I don't know he's just a great character
1: and of course another development we get with Cad Bane in this episode is sort of a call back to the last time that Ibu fought him when we found out that he was once good enough, that Cad Bane was once good enough to fight off both Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss, both with their lightsabers, both in full force mode. But in this episode, at the rendezvous point, Obi-Wan doesn't even have his lightsaber, and yet he still bests both Cad Bane and Moralo Eval at once. How'd you like your boy Obi-Wan turning up and showing Cad Bane who was boss, Robbie?
2: Oh, I like it, but it, it is a little inconsistent, for sure. Because I remember... that It was one of the, the notes that I put down. Is it like... Foiling the plan seemed rather easy? Right. Like... like It's not like they were in on the plan that Dooku had a backup. You know, they weren't in on that. Sure. It just seemed r- rather easy. And again, this could be one of those things where it's in the plot. You know, that this is what has to happen to get from point A to point B. But it still seemed like after all of this effort... And these three episodes of kind of forming these connections that it's just like one and done. I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. You know, I don't know what, what what could have been better. I'm just saying that it felt rather easy to just kind of, okay, well, let's move on to the next plot point, I guess. It was weird.
1: I don't think I had as much of a problem with the, with the you. I mean, in one way I can see where the feeling that it was easy comes from, but in another way, all of the things that Obi-Wan has had to suffer to get to this point makes it feel like, you know, to get him into the position to be able to foil the plan at the end was not easy and so you know just the fact that he was in that position kind of paid off the previous three episodes because even though Cad Bane still wasn't really a fan of him at the end you know he was still doing his undercover job and it was because he was undercover that he was able to foil it I don't know does any of that make sense Robbie?
2: I mean I totally get what you're saying there but it still seemed like it was Rather easy for him to, like you said, if he, if he can fight off Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss, why was it so easy for him to, without using Jedi powers, to really, I don't know. It's one of those things where you kind of, I think, especially as a cartoon, you just kind of have to go with it. But it's one of those things where it's kind of like, eh, that seemed rather easy. Right. Like, you almost expect him to have some reinforcements on his side almost immediately to kind of show that this is, hey, we're going to wrap this up now. Sure but it doesn't really happen. He kind of does it on his own. So it was kind of, I don't know, a little weird.
1: Sure, but I think another reason I went with it is that I figured that was just Obi-Wan. He's learned from the first time he fought Cad Bane, and he's probably been thinking about that. And if he ever has to fight Cad Bane again, he's been thinking about how to do it. Whereas Cad Bane doesn't know he's fighting Obi-Wan. So, right. you know, Obi-Wan has an advantage in that sort of situation to me. I mean, I guess that's why I went with it. I was just thinking,
2: yeah, he got he got his experience points. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: And speaking of experience points, Robbie, how many points do you think Anakin got for cutting Twazzy's arm off? Twazzy the female Frank, gets gets disarmed. How did you like that? Yeah, that was that uh, Anakin chopping an arm off in this episode, Robbie.
2: Yeah, he seemed he seemed pretty uh, pretty hardcore. I mean, I don't know how many points he would have gotten, but it was still like wow. And that's you know that kind of brings up something. I really enjoyed the idea of the shadow holograms.
1: Oh, then we are opposite on this. This is interesting. So you get you go because I didn't like them.
2: You didn't like them. No. Huh. See, I really enjoyed that idea because it kind of made things at least from a from a perspective of of the Jedi. It would have been difficult to know who's who. The only thing about it that made me kind of go, okay, wait, why was why did Obi Wan have to be in one because he's not in it immediately after that scene ever (laughs) he never uses it after that scene he gets up to his little sniper's nest and then never engages it and then on top of that he's sitting there watching everything why didn't he see the switch
1: right Yeah, I think it's just there was too much going on because I thought about that moment too and I just figured uh, there was just too much going on. He was trying to track too many things at once, you know? I guess. I mean, that was just how I sort of hand-waved it. I think the hologram disguise, just as an idea, doesn't work for me, especially when it comes to the thing that kicked me was when Embo climbed into his and all of a sudden you can't see the brim of his hat and it was just one of those things where it breaks one of the laws of physics which is something that's easy to instinctively understand you know we all understand mass and volume in a way that we don't understand how light speed works which is obviously one of the other laws of physics that possibly Star Wars breaks, but it's easily explained away because traveling close to light speed, you know, that's something that people don't generally understand how the theory of relativity works and all the, you know, problems that come with that and maybe why they're using wormholes. It's so far outside of our experience and I've never once questioned the physics of light speed or whatever, but this one where somehow... How does it hide the brim of his hat when it's just a hologram? I did like that it was set up on the previous episode when they had the guy that came up with this technology sort of introduced. And so the idea was introduced and here we see it used. But it just didn't work for me as an idea. And so, yeah, as soon as Embo climbed in there and the brim of his hat disappeared, I was thinking, yeah, this is not for me, (laughs) this idea. I don't know. Does that make sense?
2: Well, it could be that it's just bending light. You know what I mean? It's, It's, I don't know. Sure. I kind of went with that it's it's weird i went with that <laughs> it's kind of funny how i went with that just like i would with Lightspeed. i was just like oh okay so they take whatever this is and they put a hologram around it to make it look like this
1: yeah well i think the part where the hologram goes around something that works but the hologram doesn't go around his hat it's so massive and then there's of course floaty old floaty McFlodison, um what's his name Dwaran? i <laughs> what's his name
2: No, I think Floaty McFloaterson should totally be his name from now on. (laughs) What he said
1: his (laughs) name before we started recording, and for some reason I don't have the note. But him, like, but the fact that it works on him as well when he is this complete, you know, inhuman thing, and he's disguised as a human-like thing there. I don't know. I'd, but this was the only thing in the episode that I think I didn't like. There's a ton of other other things that I like, so I don't want to stick on this negative too much. I mean, how good was the Palpatine smirk when Anakin starts to confront Dooku at the end? Mm. You should have quit while you're alive, Dooku. There's <laughs> that Palpatine smirk.
2: Oh, he's loving it.
1: And then another couple of smirks as the fight carries on, including one when Anakin starts to choke Dooku on the steps just before Dooku's Sith lightning sim when you can feel Palpatine going, good, good, Anakin. It's almost like he's rooting for Anakin. Right. But he, I think he's also just enjoying these two, you know, rivals that are. Anakin doesn't know it yet, but he's, you know, going to become a, even more of a rival to Dooku later. But, I mean, yeah, it was awesome. The whole thing was awesome. And even Palpatine... One shudders to think where the galaxy would be without the Jedi at the end. Just so much delicious Palpatine stuff in this episode, Roby.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always nice to see that they're... I mean, I, I would think that, that it's an easy thing. You know, is, anytime that you have Palpatine in the mix and you have Anakin fighting someone, he's on that lookout. He's almost like a scout. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's he's always on the lookout for his uh, his second in command. So I just really like that. And the look of the episode really is super nice, too. Yeah. I guess Naboo is, is definitely one of those places that we definitely would like to visit. Yep totally yeah i just really i really like the look of the episode too
1: yeah it sure did look good robbie and you know what also looks good whenever a sith force throws objects at their opponents in that fight i mean first of all it starts out with anakin being so fearless that even though dooku bested him pretty easily the last time they met in shadow warrior dooku really made short work of anakin i mean dooku and his droids so technically anakin was outnumbered but his droids are around again and so it's a very similar scene to when Anakin went after Dooku and Shadow Warrior but Anakin doesn't care that he's like I'm ready for this rematch Anakin's itching to take on Dooku completely fearless so I love what that said about Anakin but yeah this fight has Sith force throwing objects at his opponent it has a Sith lightning up as opponent so oh, I thought this was a really fun fight and I also like the way that at the end I mean I'm jumping a little bit here with Anakin saying as long as I live no harm will ever come to your excellency to Palpatine and Then the end. I mean, this was a, there was a ton of fun stuff between Anakin and Dooku and Palpatine in this episode.
2: Yeah, it was pretty funny too. The uh, It was something that you had brought up in one of the previous episodes that it seems like being electrified is something that they kind of really, really like in this show. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Anakin yeah. gets electrified tw- twice in here, right? Yeah. Or three times. Two or three times.
1: Well, yeah. So when he's fighting down on the um, platform and then again by Dooku, right?
2: Yeah, but then one of his guards gets him, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Before he
2: even gets to fight Duker. That's right. That's three times. (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, speaking of those guards and the electro staffs or whatever those things are called, this my favorite shot of the episode, Robbie, was that very square-on shot down that long majestic hallway with the columns on either side and the sort of blue-white light spilling in through the massive window at the end. We see Palpatine being led by one of Dooku's droids across the corridor. And then we see Dooku sort of backing up while Anakin advances on him, lightsabers clashing. And aside from their glowing lightsaber blades and the ends of the guards' electro staff, they're almost in silhouette. And that was the standout shot of the episode for me. But what about you, Robbie? Did I just, hopefully I didn't just steal yours. Do you have another one or did you fall in love with that shot as well?
2: No, that was an excellent, excellent shot. And it's not one that I wrote down, but yeah, I totally agree with you because it it did stick in my head. But this one was almost like an accidental one. And let me explain. So I'm sitting there and I'm taking notes and I look up and I see the shot of the arrival at the courtyard and this is right at the beginning. And before there's sort of like that, you know, the the shot of the, the ship coming into land, it's sort of just like like a drone shot around, or, or a crane shot around the, the courtyard. And for a second, it actually made me go, wait a minute, what happened? Like, for a second, it fooled my head. I thought it was real, like a real place. Right. And like, somehow something got turned off, and I was watching something real. So I think that might count as the best shot of the episode if it completely fooled me into thinking i was watching something real like watching something else
1: that's pretty good yeah that's pretty impressive
2: yeah it was just one of those things that happened it was it was a strange thing
1: well before we bring this one for a landing robbie we need to sum up and give our ratings so after your third ever watch of crisis on naboo how did you like it and where does crisis on naboo sit on that four star robbie scale
2: this one's a little strange for me because I like the episode and we learn a lot about how Anakin's even more distrustful than he even was in the la- in the last episode cuz hearing hearing that it was Obi-Wan that made the choice to not tell Anakin seems to put him even more on that path. Yeah. You know, and it pushes him down that path even more. So I think that's important. I guess I'm just going to give this a 3 out of 4 because I think that's important, but I guess maybe it's because I felt like that end battle was a little too easy, but I just, I don't know. Just didn't hit me as as hard as some of the other previous episodes. But it's still worth watching.
1: Yeah, I think I liked it uh, more than you, Robbie, because I'm giving it eight. I'm giving it eight hologram disguised bounty hunters out of ten. And aside from that one... You know, that hologram thing that I sort of had a little bit of an issue with, you know, that wasn't any sort of plot issue or technical issue. And obviously, I did have that other issue with it being Obi Wan, who, you know, should have understood Anakin well enough to not keep Anakin in the dark about it. So, those were two little things that sort of what dropped it down to an eight. But I thought it could have been even higher. I love the battle at the end. Uh, You know, everything with Palpatine is always fun with Dooku is always fun. So, yeah, I have it up there at an 8. But that's mission accomplished for Season 4, Episode 18, Crisis on Naboo. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to tell us
2: how much they enjoyed or didn't enjoy Crisis on Naboo, what are our communications channels? We are BUCHO and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B U C H O A N D. R-O-B-B-Y
1: Yes sir and of course the troops can join us again next time for the 85th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 4 Episode 19 Massacre and until then this is your old buddy boot alongside your trusty pal Robbie and we are out
0: Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Buccio and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com. The Force will be
2: with you. Always.